0: Welcome to the District Creatives Radio Show, a place where D.C. creatives meet to discuss arts, entertainment, and the creative economy. Listen as D.C. creatives share the work and content they provide in this city. Discuss the joys and pains of pursuing their passion, resources for district creatives, and balancing their passion projects with their paycheck. Now, here's your host, District Creative Savvy Charisse. Welcome to the District Creatives Radio Show. I'm your host, Savvy Sharice, and I'm here with today's special guest, who is Michelle Williams, the founder, the CEO, the COO, the all things, oh, 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 (laughs) oh, of Therapy to a T. Thank you for being a guest today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I'm so excited because I think what you do is so unique and so special within the mental health space, and we're talking all about all things mental health. And can I just say how excited? I am, that people are really engaging, being involved in and open to having conversations around mental health and therapy. It just really makes me feel happy. Yeah,
1: it definitely warms my heart. Like, it makes me feel like the stigma really is starting to be
0: broken down. Slowly but surely. So we're going to do our part to break down that stigma a little bit more in today's episode. So thank you for being the guest. Tell us about Therapy to a T, how it got started, and how you got into mental health. Okay, Yeah.
1: Let, I'll tell you how I got started with Therapy 2 and T, and will it'll go into how I got into mental health. So, when I was in graduate school to be a counselor, my my practicum and internship was at um, PG County Correctional Center. Okay. And I would have to spend long hours on the units visiting with my clients, and um, it was like a stressful environment. And working with my own counselor at the time, the only refuge I had was going back to my office and like having a cup of tea. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it was like smelling the tea, holding the tea. Sometimes I didn't even get a chance to finish the tea. So tea became like a really big piece of mindfulness for me early, early, early into my career. And so I kind of held on to that as I like finished up graduate school, um, worked towards licensure. And when I was coming out of graduate education um, during retention, I was like, how can I like intentionally bring like uh, just a moment Mm -hmm. back to the client's lives that I wanted to work with like so when we were meeting in person it would bring me so much joy to just make them a cup of tea whether oh, they drink I it or not that. yeah so like you know you're coming in from hustle and bustle traveling to the office it's like we gotta spend some time picking the tea mm-hmm. you know they would, they would say oh I don't I don't care I'm like it matters
0: yeah you don't have to just get regular English breakfast like let's see what some mm-hmm. flavors are
1: right let's see what some flavors are let's see what the vibe is giving and so um you know that's that's really where the name I didn't have the name at first but okay. that's really where the name came from like you know this is therapy but it's also like this isn't this is like a mindfulness based mm-hmm. practice mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that's how I got started
0: with therapy. I to love a tea. that. I, I love that the tea was the mindfulness moment. I have a special affinity for tea, being born in London and coming from a Caribbean family. You know, Jamaicans feel like tea can fix everything. Me too. <laughs> so, yeah, I love that. I never knew the story behind the name of your practice. But one thing I love most about your practice is that you appeal to a specific audience. And I want you to share more um, about how you got to that point, Mm -hmm. um, because that was very inspiring for me to find out. Yeah. So I specifically cater to queer and
1: trans clients, anybody who identifies or who feels like they're a part of the LGBTQIA plus community. And how I got involved was actually through my work as a middle school counselor. Mm-hmm. The students had so many questions. They were so curious, but they also were so bold in their identities. And I was just like, this is a, these are people who are like misunderstood. Mm-hmm. Um, A lot of my like colleagues and friends were like scared to work with um queer and trans people because they didn't feel like they were a part of the community. And I'm also like, I'm queer and I'm pansexual. And so I didn't understand what the confusion was about. And so I'm like, well, I'm going a, I'm to a work with my folks and I'm going to make space for them. And um, when I was working at the graduate school in Northwestern, a lot of the students that were just making changes in their departments and like really being radical and bold were the, the queer and trans students. And they didn't have like proper resources. Mm-hmm. So it really did start off with graduate students who were queer and trans. Um, and then I branched out from there so, yeah, that's that's who I serve. And through that, it's even become even more niche. And it's we still hold special emphasis for people who are queer and trans in our um, practice, but also for those people who are late diagnosed uh, neurodivergent, people who suspect they are neurodivergent or have actual had a di- um, diagnosis. And you'd be surprised how many people are like getting to know different parts of their identities and mm-hmm. that also being one of their identities.
0: Oh my gosh, there's so much to talk about. It's like, I have questions on questions on questions. (laughs) But can we do a bit of psychoeducation and let people know what is neurodivergent? Yeah,
1: so neurodivergent. So let's backtrack from neurodivergent there are different types of neurotypes and that's just the way your brain works. Everybody has a different way that their brain works. Um, and originally people thought that you either had a neurotypical brain, which is your brain works the way society expects your brain to work, um, or you had a neurodivergent brain, like a different, your brain functions differently than society would have you expect your brain to work. Mm-hmm. But everybody has a different type of neurotype. Everybody thinks differently. And so when I talk about neurodivergent, I'm talking about people who have experienced Any type of trauma, because trauma changes the way your brain works. People who may think that they have ADD or ADHD, um, and also people who are autistic or may suspect that they're um, autistic.
0: Okay, interesting. Mm -hmm. I I feel like I've heard the term. But I wasn't on the way clear, so that was for me, too. (laughs) (laughs) So when we talk about mental health and we talk a lot, you know, as African-Americans, as people who are in the black community, we talk about our experiences. But there's like a deeper level when you start talking about people who are part of the African-American community, but then they're also a part of LGBTQIA. Plus, mm-hmm. I did that. You did do Cause that. Because I've really been working on it. You, you know, I think it. it's so important to say things appropriately and just be like, you know, some people are like, oh, just LGBTQ or whatever. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's super dismissive. So yeah. I try to do my part in keeping up with the changes within the community because I consider myself to be an ally. Yeah. Um And so when we think about mental health within the community, within the community, and there are, from what I understand, a lot of mental health challenges that members of the community go through because of... A lot of things, Mm -hmm. society not understanding or being scared what your parents will think about you or what your church or your community having anxiety around coming out or even being trans, feeling like you may lose your life Mm -hmm. or have a violent attack against you because of your because of being trans. So when we talk about mental health for um, members of the LGBT community, what are some of the biggest challenges Um, that they're facing with seeking Mm -hmm. treatment and also even, you know, being diagnosed when there's a diagnosis needed. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, One of the biggest, I'm going to answer a third question, a third secret question that was in there, but um, (laughs) one of the biggest challenges that um, people within the community face is loss of community. And loss of community fuels a lot of the depression, the anxiety, the, um, the attempts at coping that people experience. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, just because like you said, people don't understand, people don't accept, um, there's a lot of fear of what society will do and also not realizing like what we're doing to our own community members by like holding on to the fear of what society will do, right? Like, we don't want society to isolate you, but we isolating you. Right. Before it can even happen. Make its way
0: to to, to the general society. It's happening, like, within our community. Right. Like, before, you know, before anybody else could even harm us. And so, like... Or even in households. When you think about parents, I'm just thinking about you mentioned teens. mm -hmm. And, you know... I have been a witness to other people's experiences where they, you know, can't share certain things because of what their parents are going to think about them. It's like, oh, I can be this way, you know, Monday through Friday. But when it's time for me to go to church on Sunday, I have to readjust. And that seems like a lot. It's like almost having to live Mm -hmm. a double life of sorts. You
1: are having to live a different life and... There's so much uh, there's so much of a microscope on you. And, it, you know, it's interesting, like, I feel like sometimes community members will initiate conversations with teens and young people that they wouldn't even initiate with teens and young people had they not been privy to this, like, like them having like a different identity than they expect or would accept. Right. Mm-hmm. Like and so and I had this conversation earlier this year where, um, you know, how like. I don't know if you had this experience but like, going to church with your grandmother and you having to wear stockings, but stockings was itchy. <laughs> and it was a miserable experience. Yes. And
0: then if it's hot, too, it's like, grandma, it's, it's just hot. Lie. I right. don't want to have these
1: stockings. Right, though. like, I don't, but you had to do it, right? And so, like, that's just one experience that, like, a lot of us shared that was, like, a really uncomfortable experience. Mm-hmm. And for some of us, it's, like, it feels like torture. And I remember somebody saying like, what do kids know about torture? And I said, what did the adults teach them about torture? Mm -hmm. Just because they don't have a language doesn't mean that they're not experiencing it. Having to wear something that feels extremely uncomfortable for whatever reason, but particularly because it doesn't even reflect who you are. And I was speaking to a um, a young male and I said, imagine you wearing a dress, you being forced to wear a dress every day imagine a fear of humiliation you would have or the fear of bullying you would experience or just how weird you would feel in your body. Like this is what like young queer and trans kids have to go through. Right. They have to dress or they're forced to dress how their parents or how their society expects them to dress. And people think, oh, it's just clothes. If it's just clothes, then why can't they wear what they want to wear?
0: Right. Right. Like it's just as a closed. kid,
1: I hated sandals, hated sandals. I wanted to wear sneakers everywhere. And my mom just could not stand the sneakers I wore. And so, One day I was like, you can't go outside until you wear these shoes, like these sandals. And I'm like, it's like, I low-key don't even want to go outside. Like, I don't want to wear these. I hate these so much. You know, it's like a very simple example. But when it's Mm -hmm. down to your cellular and people are telling you, like, it's just clothes, only wear the clothes. I want you to wear or else. Like, people are putting their kids out on the streets. These kids have nowhere to go. Mm -hmm. Like, when I say loss of community, like, these people are losing their literal homes from people who claim to love them,
0: their parents. I've their heard. Parents. I've heard one of the most. Oh my gosh, I'm gonna repeat it, but it's terrible. I've heard men in particular say that they would disown their sons.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like they would disown their son if their son was gay. Mm-hmm. That what? is
1: so painful to think about. Like, whoa, well, you brought, and this is why. And I get a lot of heat from my for my views on parenting in general, but. You're ushering in a new human with their own personality, their own different likes and everything. And you have to be prepared for this human to be absolutely whoever they are. You brought them here. That's your responsibility to them. And for people to be committed to your child being this one ideal way and then disowning them, a soul that you brought here, you brought here that they didn't have any choice, disowning them because they're not something... That you want them to be, or there's something that you're scared to be, or you're you can't even imagine showing up. Like that's just it's it's just unacceptable to me.
0: Is it appropriate to use the term in the closet? Uh,
1: is it appropriate? I think some people use it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people use depending on like you know, I guess the different dynamics. Some people use it in the closet. Some people use just like out or not out. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I do think that you know some people are not out. In are in the closet because it's not safe. And I think a lot of people get villainized for being in or out. Closeted. Okay. And, yeah, being okay. closeted. Yeah.
0: I ask because um, you do a lot of education around like pronouns and pronouns are new. You know, pronouns are very new. Well, I don't know how new they are, but I think it's safe to say that 15 years ago we weren't uh, using pronouns in a way to where it's like it's in email signatures and it's a, it's really like a part of people's way that they present themselves. And I've learned a lot by participating in one of your trainings around pronouns. So I'm always wanting to be mindful that I'm using mm-hmm. appropriate language because I feel like sometimes with being like ignorant, and I mean the literal term of ignorance, like you just don't know, you can sometimes be offensive or hurtful. So that's one contribution that I have committed to making as I'm having conversations, curating conversations about a community that I don't have expertise in, but I do want to be able to create a platform. So I asked that question because we're talking a lot about teens and what they experience, whether when they're you know in the closet or not out. And I'm imagining what is now the adult's experience Mm -hmm. that they have been navigating this in the closet lifestyle. And Mm -hmm. I'm saying lifestyle. I hesitate because I feel like sometimes that may or may not be a controversial word because it's like it's not my lifestyle. It's just who I am. Um, Mm -hmm. But what happens to the adult? It's like you've been carrying this since you were six, seven, eight, nine and you had to be quiet about it. Mm -hmm. And now you're 22 and they show up at your office for therapy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What are some of the things that have been compounded for them mentally that you now have to help them to work through?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I want to clarify the lifestyle, right? So like masking is unfortunately a lifestyle and Mm -hmm. I want to say masking. So, you know, like having to put on a certain type of Masked, have to hide certain parts of yourself or put on different parts of yourself to be able to survive in an environment. Like that is a lifestyle. Unfortunately, sexuality is not a lifestyle. Gender is not a lifestyle. So mm-hmm. I definitely want to clarify that for people because they be like, "What you doing? Your lifestyle?" And it's like, when you tell me that you chose your sexuality, then you could tell me it's a lifestyle. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, right? If they, people make it feel real optional when it's not heterosexual, when it's just like, well. And I recently made a TikTok about to your point about um like when people come to my office. Um, Because I said, you know, like, if you want people to be honest, you have to create a safe space for people to be honest. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, people are coming to my office in their 20s, in their 30s, in their 40s, not even sure about, you know, what they like, who they are, you know, like what, like, you know, like, how do they even want to show up in the world? They're not sure because for so long they've like, it's become a part of them to like be this way. And I, and, you know... And on my own journey, I've had to do a lot of unlearning as well. And so some of it, some people feel like it's too late. Like I've already lived this life for so long that I might as well just like keep living this Mm -hmm. life. Or, you know, like some people feel like, so in therapy, you know, in psychology, we have like these identity models. And it's like how people um, explore, like, let's say racial identity, right? So um, once you first realize that you like have a race or you have a culture, you like, you're curious about it, then you immerse yourself in it and Mm -hmm. you are, you know, you want to be everywhere where it is. You want to be reading about it, listening to it, consuming it, wearing it. And then you get to determine, okay, what, which of this fits, which of it doesn't fit? What do I keep? What do I not keep? And then you kind of level out in the parts of the community that you belong in. And it's similar for, um, gender and sexuality, um, depending on who has access to even really fully immerse themselves in Mm it. And so, you know, people are coming and, They're like, I've created these friends. Like, will my friends accept me? What will it look like at my job? Like, you know, I'm not feeling comfortable in my body anymore. And I want my body, I want to show up like this in the world. Like, where do I start? You know, where can I start? You know, like, how can I
0: get the people in my community ready for this? I can only imagine the type of anxiety that creates (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: A lot of anxiety, a lot of fear, you know, a lot of sometimes people start off hopeless like this is just a lot. Mm-hmm. This is just a lot. And it wouldn't feel like so much if you had like solid community, if
0: you knew your people was going to be there. If you were to do a PSA, public service announcement mm-hmm. <laughs> to members of the LGBTQIA plus, I'm so proud of myself, for that, <laughs> community to... Inspire them to pursue therapy, mental and emotional healing. What would you say? Mm. None of these were on the pre-prepared questions that I sent you. (laughs) It's
1: all good. Um, You know, what I will say is there are spaces and people that are ready with their arms open to welcome you exactly where you are, that are willing to walk with you along your journey. And you don't have to have it all figured out by yourself or even right now, because there are people who are are ready to figure out what it looks like for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that a lot of you had asked about a barrier earlier. I know that some barriers are access to healthcare, like being able to afford it or being able to find a clinician that is competent or just not harmful. It's really the baseline. The bar low-key on the floor sometimes. Mm, and so, but there are... no The bar is sad. on the
0: floor and that is very sad. It's
1: very sad because a lot of the clients I'm experiencing have already had encounters with therapists, encounters that were just unacceptable mm-hmm. that they had to recover from and they had to like, you know, like, gather up the the courage and the energy to even try again with another therapist while they're already building up themselves and building up their community. And so that's a lot, you know, the public service announcement is as long as I'm in this field, I am holding my colleagues accountable and I'm creating spaces for my colleagues to learn. And the more therapists I touch, the more therapists will be available to offer you the care that you deserve.
0: Period. The PSA is haul at your girl. Okay. <laughs> um, with that, with you being a CEO, with you being a therapist, you're practicing within your practice mm-hmm. and you're doing trainings and then you're navigating life. You are a black woman. You're a member of the LGBTQIA plus community. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have your own level of stressors and things that can create anxiety just navigating everyday life going through traffic is enough <laughs> so what are some things that you do um for your own self-care or to preserve your mental health while you are doing the work for others
1: yeah and i want to you know as a entrepreneur as a clinician i'm also Neurodivergent, Like I also have ADHD. I also was late diagnosed. I also am a person that lives with chronic pain. And so I have a lot of things that's like high key working against my productivity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, and I'm also, my identity is non-binary femme, right? So my pronouns are she, her, they, them. And so just navigating all the different spaces with all these different identities, unique mm-hmm. identities. I have my own therapist, I'm I'm really big on my therapist. Like I, you know, I do my therapy homework. I make my appointments. It's really important for me to, one, have a place where I can, I can be reminded that I'm human and that I could be working on my own things, but also so I could be held accountable as well. Like this is an OG therapist in the field. And so she's going to make sure that I'm not hermit other people. Yeah. So that's one thing. And now that I started to like, understand my symptoms of ADHD and like understand how my mind works. Now I have like systems in place to like help me before I'm burnt out. Right. Um and so I after so many years, I finally really have like an uh uh, like a commitment to moving my body in a way that I can like stick to. And mm-hmm. it really is making me feel good and energized. And it's also helped with my like focus and chronic pain, which is really interesting. Like who they always say move your body, but it really do work. It really does work. It really <laughs> does work. Um, and I'm, I'm, I have a really, really beautiful community and the time I spend with my community is so important. Just what we've done in like the virtual spaces and what we are able to do when we are able to link up and connect. Like I have, you know, like, community of like therapists, colleagues that I like respect and appreciate. And I have like friends who are not in the field, who are just, who reflect the identities that some of the identities I have, who are also taking care of themselves. And like, Mm -hmm. that's really, 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 really important to me. And then I have hobbies. Like we were just talking about this, but like, I have a lot of interest in a whole bunch of random stuff. And (laughs) I allow myself to engage in hobbies the way some ADHD people engage in hobbies. So I started to crochet. So I got endless yarn, endless needles, and I halfway crocheted a blanket. And then I was like, and now I'm on my Legos. And now <laughs> I'm on my Legos. And it's it's for me, right? right? Like no one is committed to me. Or nobody should be committed to me finishing my hobbies Because I'm just doing it for me to stimulate my mind and to to unplug instead of trying to work all the time. Because sometimes it feels like there's just always work to do.
0: (laughs) I love that. I heard a couple of things. Like if I was to pull out of a a list of what you said, you said definitely Mm -hmm. exercise, moving your body, Um, systems, Mm -hmm. routine. Routine Mm -hmm. is like so important for myself. And then community, having a space to connect with other people. And then um, having hobbies. And I love what you said about having the unfinished crochet blanket. (laughs) Because I feel like sometimes, I know I'm guilty of this. Even in my things that are supposed to be for leisure, Mm -hmm. I put pressure on myself. Same. It's like, why are you doing that? This is Mm -hmm. literally for you. If you decide you're coloring and you don't want to finish the picture no more, you don't have to finish the picture. Mm -hmm. It's okay.
1: (laughs) But the finished picture gives us that... It gives us that... uh that, that gratification yeah, that it like was one of more, a sense of accomplishment yeah. that keep us going. So um, that's one thing I I, I got to be careful about with my hobbies is like, I will, <laughs> I saw this really cool thing on Instagram. I sent it to my friends. I was like, y'all know, this is something I will start. Won't do no research on it. Uh-huh. Start it and be mad I didn't do it perfect. Uh-huh. I hate that I do that and i still be doing it.
0: And it's so much pressure <laughs> too. When we talk about like perfectionism and, you know, just like putting all of this pressure on ourselves, it's really... Unnecessary. And we are, we become then a part of doing the damage that we're trying to undo. Mm -hmm. So I just try to be a little kind and give myself grace. And I think that's what I hear you saying that you do too. And then, you know, to your point about finishing, finishing is great, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be on a specific timeline. Right. You know, because the first person, it takes them two weeks to crochet a blanket or a day to color a picture. It it might take me 30 days and it might take you six months to finish your blanket. But, Mm -hmm. you know, it's all on what we do and put in place for ourselves that matters the most.
1: Yeah. And, you know, to your point for saying that, When you're thinking about therapy, I know that like therapy is like a new intimate relationship with a new person. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you might start a relationship with a therapist and that therapist will take you to a certain point because that's the point they were supposed to take you to to get you ready to go see another type of therapist, another type of specialist or to get you ready for another type of healing modality. And I just want to put that out there because I know that it's a hard conversation for therapists to have for clients because like we want to see you all the way to the end. But realistically, everybody's not supposed to go with you every step of the way. And you know, I think that it's just helpful if we all know that in the beginning, like this person can take me to a certain point. And that, and that means that doesn't mean that the relationship wasn't a good relationship Mm -hmm. um, or that it wasn't helpful is that we did what we were supposed to do with the resources we had. And then we go Go to the next next level. Exactly.
0: Well, tell us before we end, this has been such a great discussion. Also, I feel like I can talk to you for another 30 minutes, (laughs) but tell us how to um, learn more about you, how to follow you on tiktok and on all the places because you put out so many amazing resources and then your website
1: yes okay so on tiktok um you can find me on tiktok at the queer black therapist and also on instagram the queer black well just to say queer black therapist um and then my website is therapy2attea.com Yeah, I was going to get my LinkedIn, but I actually don't get that together. But (laughs) (laughs) you can you can find me there. Um, And that's where I, you know, I just I myth bust on like just misinformation that's out there. So
0: good. Your content is so great. Um,
1: Thank you. Thank you. And then I know like sometimes people get weird about like sharing personal things. They like, you know, I just had a session and blah, blah, blah. So what I do is I take my personal journey with concepts that may be shared. And then I kind of create some content around that to help make it more accessible.
0: And what is one thing that you would recommend everyone do maybe one to two things to wrap us up to do to preserve, prioritize our mental health during mental health awareness month and beyond?-hmm
1: The one okay, so yeah, one thing I would I would really recommend is spend some uninterrupted time with yourself. Spend some uninterrupted time with yourself. I don't, you know, like not on social media, not around anybody else. You you have 3 minutes to give yourself, right? So figure out how you can give yourself like just 3 minutes to just be with yourself. I'm not even going to say to breathe because we don't, we have to learn how to breathe and that's just a whole other topic. Okay. Um, we got to you come back to talk
0: about breathing.
1: Yeah. No, I'm, like really in, I'm like really into it, y'all. Like I'm like into it. Um, <laughs> so I would say just like, take some moment to just be with yourself, doing whatever you want to do. Just yourself is one thing that I would recommend. Um, and another thing is if you have access, please please get in touch with some nature. You know, like if you can't put your bare feet into the grass, can you get near a plant, any type of plant? Can you just spend some time near a plant um, and just kind of marvel at how beautiful nature is? Mm -hmm. Like nature really is a reflection of ourselves. And, you know, uh, there's a lot of different facilities and organizations and healing modalities that like help people connect with themselves through connecting with how marvelous plants are. And so I would just recommend that.
0: Thank you so much, Michelle. Thank you. You are such a gem. I appreciate you. I wish you so much success in your business that your practice um, continues to flourish. Thank you for sharing your tips today. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in to another episode of the District Creatives Radio Show. Thank you, everybody. been listening to the district creatives radio show the place where dc creatives meet to discuss arts entertainment and the creative economy for more information visit dreamvisionreality.com